This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Hi, I'm John McElroy, and thanks for joining us on AutoLine This Week. Today, we're going to be talking about Magna, the giant Canadian supplier that is really transforming what an automotive supplier can be. And we're going to be talking about Magna because my special guest today is Swami Kotagiri. He is the chief executive officer of Magna, formerly the chief technology officer. But now you're running the show, Swami, and thanks so much for making time to talk with us this morning. Good morning, John. My pleasure. Uh, a tech geek uh, turned into a CEO, so we can have all the fun talking about the technology. That's great. Also joining us today are Tom Murphy from Ward's Intelligence and Mark Phelan, the car critic from the Detroit Free Press. And thanks to you guys for joining us as well. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, Swami, let's kick this conversation off with what's been big in the news. Uh, Magna put in uh, a bid to buy a supplier company called Vioneer. Uh, I'm saying this for the audience's benefit because, of course, I know you know all about it. But Vioneer is uh, uh, really a leader in ADAS, Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, a segment of the market that's booming. Then Qualcomm came in and put in even a better deal. So my question is, is that it? Is Qualcomm going to get it? Are you guys going to sweeten the pot? Are others going to come in? What do you think is going to happen here? Uh, as far as others are concerned, your guess is as good as mine, uh, John, right? Uh, but but we talked about it uh, in our investor strategy uh, as we went through it that uh, Magna is going to uh, continue to look at accelerating uh, our investments in the megatrend areas, which is electrification, uh, ADAS, and even, you know, they call it the mobility uh, as a service and the new entrants coming in. Uh, we have a really good business in ADAS. We have been the leaders in the vision-based ADAS systems. Um, so th this is just all about augmenting, right? If you look at the market, we felt there was, uh, you know, efficiencies to be had, both in terms of scale, uh, in terms of the spending that you do in um, some of the activities that are not really consumer-facing, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the consumer is just interested in getting the features. Uh, how we do it and how it's done uh, is left to the OEMs and the tier ones. And obviously, we depend on the OEMs to give that direction. Uh, for us, this was a way to uh, further strengthen some of the uh, areas that we had. We had the icon radar that we talked about a few times. And, you know, with Vianeer, they had the, call it the manufacturing base already. Uh, the, this would fit in really well with the overall roadmap. So that's just one example. And, and scale, obviously, and so on and so forth. But, you know, we, we, we always have been disciplined, and uh, I think we'll continue to stay disciplined to say, uh, this is our strategy, this is what we think we should be doing. And that's how we started. And I think we're going to continue to evaluate all the options, but let's see where the chips fall. Swami, can you give us an update on the uh, Fisker work? Um, you know, of course, you have the uh, Magnus Dyer plant there in Austria that has been contract assembling vehicles for for multiple automakers for many, many years, and 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 now you get to do a battery electric uh, with Fisker. Can can you give us an update on that program and and talk a bit more about other potential uh, 
contracts, you know, for battery electrics? Yeah, for sure, Tom. Uh, I think, as you know, the Graz facility the, or the European footprint that we have there has produced uh, to date more than 3 million vehicles. It's interesting, uh, you know, if you look back and see over time what that facility has done. Uh, we are producing today already an electric vehicle for Jaguar, as you know, the I-PACE. We do both the I-PACE and the E-PACE. Uh, we are also doing um, the ArcFox in China. Uh, so it's kind of not the first one, but it's a very interesting uh, project for us when we talked about Fisker doing the contract vehicle assembly, uh, the full vehicle engineering working with them. Uh, in addition to that, we are supplying a whole bunch of other systems, right, uh, from the Magna portfolio, including ADAS. And, uh, and, you know, I leave it to the Fiskers to talk about it, but many more systems uh, in there. Uh, program seems to be going very well. The teams are working uh, really well going through that. Uh, as you know, we just finished uh, the uh, the second milestone of signing up the, the manufacturing agreement fully. Uh, so I, I would say it's really going well. And to the last part of your question, there is many discussions on the topic with various uh, existing OEMs about variants, whether it's EV or otherwise, and the new entrants. And a good thing is that us offering the the, the platform uh, of a EV, uh, the ADAS platform, the body and you know the vehicle platforms in general hopefully gets the new entrants to focus on the consumer facing things of the business models and you know how to get to the market fast and so on and magna bringing uh, all the you know the systems in place and help them commercialize and scale uh, we are hoping we could be really good partners to many of them Swami, uh, there have been so many disruptions of production facilities around the world due to uh, COVID over the last year and a half. Um, have you managed to, ha have you had any of those at the facility in Graz? And what do you do about them? How do you, you know, make sure that you can meet the build schedules that, uh, that automakers want you to commit to? Yeah, uh, Mark, a great question. As you know, uh, uh, we all thought COVID-19 was a, big event in itself and then came the snowstorms in texas and uh, you know the fires in factories in different places so we automotive industry generally has had some uh, really challenging times over the last i would say 12 to 14 months uh, as you know i think the industry has done given conditions you know uh, address them very well coming together from our side we, we are working with the OEMs to, to date. Uh, I'm happy to say we haven't had to shut down any customer on our account. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, any one part not supplied, you know, stops the car from being built, right? So there have been some stoppages, uh, some changes in schedules and so on that we are working through. Uh, but all in all, I think a lot of inefficiencies with the start stops and changes and you know, all of those things coming in short order and the whole industry is dealing with it. But I've been very happy to see how our team at Magna has been able to uh, manage through that. Um, and you saw some of that in the results, you know, looking at our cost basis, being able to pivot quick enough. But at the same time, we got to keep in mind uh, all this, uh, call it spring-loaded elastic pent-up demand comes back. We want to be ready, right? And we're all looking forward to that. 
so till date, everything has been great. And, uh, you know, we're, I think, very well planned to be able to work through this uh, fast changing demand uh, curves here. Swami, we're seeing in the automotive industry, the traditional auto industry, having to convert to electric vehicles. They're committing a lot of money. They, they promise that they're going to do a lot by the end of this decade. My question to you is, where do you think they're going to go? Are they going to make or buy these components? And what's the opportunity for Magna? And I ask because certainly just a couple of years ago, it looked like they were buying everything. Now as volume gets up, it looks like they're bringing more in-house. So again, where do you think that uh, opportunities for Magna lies? I, I, I've always believed, uh, John, and I think I still do, is that uh, at the end of the day, the efficiencies matter, right? Uh, scale and efficiency matters. Uh, if you look at any of the system, for example, in an e-machine, you got to get to a point where you have to have a very... Uh, important reason for you you know to be able to do it yourself if it is the ip if it's a platform and so on but if you just uh, and a lot of that is happening in software and there's different layers in a system where you can customize and differentiate but if you get to the base level of making a motor for example where do you get the copper what's the, the scale of buy you have on copper uh, how do you put it together uh, there is efficiencies there, and I think the capital efficiency part of the variable will influence the thinking process in the long term. But usually, when a technology is in its infancy, uh, whether it's an OEM or a tier one, everybody wants to uh, have that control to understand how that comes together. Even if you decide to buy later, you know the system, what goes in and how it goes in and so on and so forth, right? So. I think in the short uh, short term, there might be a lot of insourcing and thinking through uh, and understanding the overall system. But in the long term, I, I, I think there is always going to be a balance and there's going to be quite a bit of uh, buy from the outside. Uh, from a Magna perspective, just like if you go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, you know, engines and transmissions, they were all made in-house, right, from the OEMs. But they got to a certain level and say, my differentiation is this, but you know, I would go out. Uh, any tier one that shows that system knowledge and understanding and provides a value proposition that gives the flexibility to the OEM um, and not in a black box, right? They are allowed to change and they're allowed to flex and uh, get the differentiation they need for their brand. Uh, I think uh, companies like Magna will will do really well. Uh, and I always talked about systems and how they interact and come together and think of overall as a system, not in a rabbit hole. And I think that's an advantage that Magna has that we can think through, you know, seats and body structures and, you know, EV drives and ADAS systems and the entire electrical architecture. Uh, again, don't wait for the OEMs to tell what, what they need. Uh, go to them and say, here is a value proposition we can bring to the table. I think that's the sign of a good tier one, and that's what we want to do. So this migration, I'm sorry, Mark. So, so the migration from internal combustion vehicles to battery electric vehicles, it has, has to cause fits for every supplier out there that is that is trying to do both sides. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a bit how your migration is going. Um, I, I know that you have the battery electric, you know, the 
you know, a lot of business in battery electrics, uh, you have electrified axles, which is, which is really an important step uh, in that direction as well. But um, are, do you think you're keeping pace or even perhaps ahead of pace uh, or, or even behind the industry in terms of uh, where you need to be uh, for the next five or 10 years in terms of being prepared for uh, much higher volume of uh, battery electrics? I, I think, Tom, the way I look at a vehicle or a car, right, is there is certain aspects of the vehicle that are agnostic to what I would call the power source, right? Uh, I'm hoping you still need, you'll be sitting in a car, you need a seat, uh, you, you need a body structure, you need a chassis, and and, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, it doesn't mean those uh, product areas are not changing, they're evolving, right? The, the floor used to have a tunnel in the middle, it's not, it's a flat. Uh, the seat height would be different. Uh, the ingress and egress is going to be different. So the body structure changes. Uh, you know, we sit back and look at it is uh, the product is evolving, but the uh, the fundamental processes that are required to make a body structure or chassis still are the same, right? You need the extrusion, you need the stamping, you need the hot stamping and so on and so forth. If you have all the tools in the toolbox, and not be tried to pigeonhole a product into a process. You know, unfortunately we don't have to, we have all the uh, manufacturing processes that are required. Look ahead and see, you know, how this is evolving and grow with the product. About 70% of Magna's product falls into that category, right? So we have all the processes, uh, whether you have a E-Drive or a, you know, IC engine, like I told you, you're gonna have seats and body structures and, and so on and so forth. Then comes the other part, which is directly uh, impacted by electrification, like you said, which is, you know, the E-drives. We used to have, uh, we still are the leader in the all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive system. Uh, we take that and we are converting that into the E-drive system and we have multiple E-drive programs today. Um, some are launched, some are going to be launched uh, and we continue to build that portfolio. So I would say we are keeping pace uh, when I say that I think there's a lot of confusion in the electrification industry where P1 and P2 and P3, and I won't get into the details of it, but if you're making a starter and an alternator, uh, your, pres your existential crisis, right? Because it's not going to be there and, and it moves on. All of that happened first. Now, when you talk of PHEVs and EVs, we are really talking about the E-drives and our business was in driveline systems. So only now are we getting into that uh, discussions, right? And still there is a long tail for, you know, hybrid uh, dual clutch transmissions and so on and so forth because the market's there. Just to give you an idea, we have great visibility up till 2030 on a lot of these programs that are already awarded to us, right? So we have the breathing space. Now we're focusing on how do we win? If you look beyond 2025, a large part of Magna's powertrain uh, will be coming from the electrical uh, our EV-based product line. So I, I would say, I never say we should get complacent. We're doing, we are starting off well and doing well, but you know, we are focused, like I said, one of the pillars of our strategy is to continue to accelerate investment in this area. The JV with LG was one example of that, right? Uh, I, I think we have to keep that balance between the two, but there is other areas that are impacted by electrification we don't talk about. Our body and chassis system. We are the largest you know, uh, metal forming uh, groups in the world. And uh, 
battery enclosures that come, which holds the batteries together, have a content per vehicle that is more favorable than an e-drive. Hmm. Uh, and nobody makes it, right? I mean, think of it. We can do stamp, we can roll form, we can do any process with any material, composite or any metal. And we have a lot of programs already on it. And assuming that every vehicle needs to have a battery enclosure, uh, 2030, let's say 30%, vehicles need this we're talking 30 40 billion dollars worth of market and we are the you know from a process perspective we are the leaders in that segment today so there is that additional content per vehicle and opportunity for us which is not talked about as much as the e-drives right right thanks uh, and i'm so glad that you made that point because it leads perfectly into what I wanted to ask you. Looking forward, 2025, a large part of your drivetrain business will be for electric vehicles, you said. Can you put a percentage on that? How much of the business for drivetrains do you think, how much of Magnus' business for for drivetrains do you think will be uh, electric, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now? Uh, if you look at beyond 2025, Mark, uh, and, and we look at the managed sales, right? Which is Magna and uh, the JV equity income because we're, we're looking at uh, in totality. I would say 50% uh, of our business at very roughly, you know, would be from the electrified side of things beyond 2025. And that will continue when, to grow. And when you say electrified, you mean hybrid plug-in and pure battery. Is that right? That's or, right. Or, That's okay, right. thank you very much. Great. Thanks. What what does the shift to that kind of uh, uh, component do to your uh, workforce needs in terms of, of headcount, manufacturing? Uh, the the way we are looking at Mark, like again, we need to have a five or ten year outlook uh, that falls into the people uh, development and training side of things, right? Uh, there is certain aspects you still need a clutch, you still need a, uh, a electric drive that means you have a mechanical gearbox system so you know a lot of those things go into when we invest uh, you know are we investing for five years or ten years or beyond same thing applies to people skill and knowledge right so there is a lot of thought that's been put in even from 2017 2018 in training of mechatronics and controls and you know we have a e-learning platform where any employee in Magna can stand back and say, hey, I want to learn about DFMEA or I want to learn about you know, certain product line. There is the snippets of learning 15, 20 minutes and you take you know, 10, 15 classes and you know, get there and learn yourself. A lot of our divisions have areas that are uh, separated out in their facility. Uh, two or three divisions work together and say, you know what, we're going to do on the job training here in mechatronics or controls and so on. So there is a lot of uh, focus and impetus on the on the job training, uh, you know, in addition to trying to get the talent from the outside, whether it's internship programs and, and so on and so forth. I am more looking at the uh, evolution of the training force rather than saying replacing. Because as the business grows, we need more people. We'll be getting the, the talent that is needed while we focus on you know, upgrading some, I shouldn't say upgrading, it's transforming the skills because, you know, both are needed. That's how we are looking at it, Mark. Thank you. Swami, uh, the stock market clearly likes what Magna's been doing. I mean, over the last year, your stock more than doubled. 
it's down lately. I think it's down 20% or so. I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe that's because of the chip shortage. Uh, I'd like to ask you about that. But also, where's your vision of going forward from here now that you're the, the CEO of the company? It's extraordinary the breadth of things that Magna covers in the automotive industry. You're into all kinds of parts and components. You're on the bleeding edge of technology and ADAS and electrification. You can even assemble and do assemble vehicles for, for car companies. How far do you take it? What, what's this, this supplier company called Magna going to become? Yeah, I, I think, John, you ask a very important question. Uh, for us, Magna, although from the outside is looked at as a, a bunch of portfolios and different products, I think there is a little bit of method to the madness when you sit back and look and say, you know, like, look, 70% of the Magna's products are agnostic to some of these trends. They're going to evolve, but they're not going away. And we really have a market-leading position in most of the product areas that we are in. And what I mean by that, we are not just present. We are, you know, have a significant position, whether it's the body and chassis, which is Cosma and exteriors, uh, the inside mirrors and the outside mirrors, the mechatronics, the all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive systems, the largest independent uh, transmission supplier. So most areas that we are present in, we have a significant position. And if you look at our, call it the key pillars of our strategy, one thing we're gonna focus right now is in how do we accelerate the investment uh, in areas of electrification, ADAS and new mobility, right? So that kind of shifts the portfolio uh, as we grow in you know, that becoming a larger part, right? Uh, we have a good balance sheet, which is kind of talks about the financial discipline we had, and we will remain very much rooted to that. Uh, first priority is to look at investing in the business uh, prudently uh, and continue to grow in areas that are relevant, uh, whether organic or inorganic. And the excess cash that we have, you know, is in coming in increasing dividends over the, if you look at the history, or the share buybacks at that point of time. So that's very foundational. Uh, if you look at the broad portfolio of Magna, automotive industry is transforming. There is a lot of new models and new entrants coming because of uh, EV. Tom, you talked about it. Uh, I, I think we have a really significant advantage of bringing something of value to these people, uh, to the new entrants, and also to the OEMs, uh, existing OEMs today who are looking at it and say, how do we have different variants, right? So if I can bring a structural platform, if I can bring a EV platform with still enough flexibility for the OEMs to do what they need to do to differentiate, I think there is a big play uh, in what I call this transforming mobility landscape, right? And not to forget, uh, Magna is uh, inherently the operational excellence DNA. And, you know, we'll continue to stay focused on that because it's one of the most complex industry that you all know, right? And you got to keep our eye on the ball there. Uh, that's very important. And it's a $3 trillion industry and we are just 40 billion, a long way to go. <laughs> so I've been writing about Magna for a long time, um, almost 25 years. And I've heard the story so many times about, yeah, side view mirrors, rear view mirrors, they're going away, they're going away. Everything's gonna be replaced by cameras. And we are seeing a lot more camera activity uh, in vehicles, side view, 
rear view. Um, so my first question is uh, whether whether you do see an actual horizon now, uh, you know, a, a date at which mirrors will disappear from cars. That's the first question. The other one is, um, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago you spoke at the MBS, you know, the conference up in uh, Traverse City, and you were kind of blunt about uh, demanding that the auto industry do a better job uh, explaining to consumers uh, some of the technologies on board. And, and I think you specified uh, adaptive cruise control and lane keeping driver assistance. And I was curious what kind of feedback you got from automakers or from other suppliers about that, or even from dealers, uh, you know, which really represent kind of the, the front line to the consumers. And, and Swami, we'll need a relatively quick answer. We're down to the last minute and a half here. Sorry. Yep. Uh, uh, Tom, I, I think uh, I remain rooted to my statement in saying, uh, explaining to the consumer what really it means, whether it comes from regulators or some other places. I think OEMs are always going to have a you know brand differentiator as they talk through the things. But I think it's important for consumers to understand and differentiate from one from the other. Uh, the other part you talked about was the mirrors. I think it's a long tail. Uh, it's going to be an evolution. For us, the inside mirrors are now becoming a space where we show other data coming from rear view cameras. There is optimization possible in you know, multiple systems coming together. So I think it's not the mirror going away. What does mirror evolve into, right? It's a space where the driver passenger looks at information, whether you call it a mirror or something else. Uh, yeah, it is to be seen, but it's still a long tail, I think. Thanks. Yeah, that, that was a great question because I, I've heard the same thing, that cameras are going to replace mirrors, and yet the mirrors just keep getting more and more sophisticated all the time. Yes, yes. Look, with this, we're going to have to wrap it up. Swami Kotagiri, CEO of Magna, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your visions. I love what you're saying. It's a $3 trillion industry. You only have $40 billion of it, so there's a lot more up to go. I love that attitude. Tom Murphy with Ward's Auto, Mark Feeling with the Detroit Free Press. Want to thank the both of you as well. And of course, I want to thank all of you who tuned in. Thank you. My pleasure. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.